Hello and welcome to this week's Memcast. This week we'll be discussing chest pain in the clinic setting and we have Dr Justin Cook with us from Chesterfield Hospital. Hello Rachel. In my clinics, and that tends to be the general cardiology clinic and rapid access chest pain clinic, what we're dealing with most of the time are two diagnoses, angina and chest wall syndrome. There is some reflux disease and esophageal spasm, but I'm not going to talk about that in this podcast. Back in 2010, NICE produced some guidelines for the investigation and management of recent onset chest pain, and they've since been updated. Those guidelines are certainly worth reading, and they mainly concern themselves with ruling in or ruling out ischemic heart disease. Certainly when it comes to the flow charts of diagnosis, I think it's quite cumbersome, and I'm going to try and simplify that a little bit. The main good point is the focus on what I call the angina troika. There are three features that make up a typical diagnosis of angina. Constricting discomfort in the chest, arms, neck and jaw. Exacerbation by exercise or stress. And relief by rest or by GTN within five minutes. Patients often don't give you that typical textbook story but if you focus on those three things you normally get there but I'm going to just make some important qualifications that will help. I don't think in almost 20 years in Chesterfield I've ever heard any patient describe their angina pain as constricting. So instead what I encourage you is just to ask yourself is this compatible with angina or is it just not compatible? So for example, if someone describes a pain that is sharp and it is stabbing and he points at his chest with one finger, then that is almost never angina. However, another patient may come in and say they get sharp pain, by which they mean severe, and it's a discomfort, and he points to his chest with a flat palm, and then he gives you the relationship to exercise and stress, well then that is clearly angina. With the relationship to exercise, We're talking about exercise using large muscle groups. Small muscle groups don't count. So if you see men in the chest pain clinic and they'll describe chest pain coming on after they've been working hard in their workshop, sawing wood or doing something like that, they've been using small muscles which tower easily so it feels like a lot of work, but actually they won't have done much to their heart rate or their cardiac output and so the myocardial oxygen demand won't have changed much throughout that exertion whereas the same patient then goes for a walk outside and walks uphill it may not feel that arduous but shifting your whole body weight against gravity using your large muscles has a much greater impact on cardiac output and on myocardial oxygen demand and therefore is much more likely to precipitate angina. There's some nice little modifiers One is the relationship with eating. If patients find that their chest pain comes on much more quickly, if they go for a walk after eating when their splanchnic circulation is all nicely dilated up and is taking a lot of cardiac output, that would be fairly typical of angina. And the other thing is when they go out walking in cold weather and it comes on sooner. So those two features are typical of angina. And a third feature, which is described in a significant number of people, It's the so-called first fairway phenomenon or walk through angina and in this situation typically it's a golfer 
who gets angina walking uphill on the first fairway he stops rests the symptom goes away and then he plays the rest of the next 17 holes without any difficulty at all cyclists will often have a similar phenomenon they'll get it on the first hill of a ride it goes away and then they carry on and don't get any more of the chest pain throughout the rest of the ride the mechanism is quite complicated but there are changes that happen after a bout of myocardial ischemia probably easiest to conceptualize is the notion of collaterals opening up after an episode of myocardial ischemia so that thereafter the bit of myocardium that's become ischemic is actually well supplied by collateral vessels and so the chest pain doesn't come back when i see any patient either in clinic or, or in the acute setting actually it's always important to start with the risk factors smoking diabetes hypertension hypercholesterolemia and family history and that will give you a good indication of how likely it is that that patient has atherosclerotic coronary arteries it's very important to remember that it doesn't determine whether or not you've got angina or having a heart attack and some people at very low risk do get angina nmi but the higher the risk the more likely the symptom you presented with is coming from the heart it also crucially tells you a little bit about how the patient thinks sometimes so for example if you've got a 50 year old patient slim runner no risk factors he gets a symptom in his chest one day and then you go through the risk factors and then you get to family history is there a family history of coronary disease yes my father dropped dead at the age of 54 and you can completely see how he's presenting he's noticing a symptom which he's had many times before and now he's got to the age his father died and suddenly he's investing that symptom with a lot of significance and he says in essence chest wall syndrome so what do i mean by chest wall syndrome chest wall syndrome is best described as an innocent somatic sensation from between neck and diaphragm to which the conscious brain attaches undue significance due to a concern that may be perfectly rational so that patient his father dropped out at the age of 54 it is entirely rational for him to perceive something in his chest at the same age and think oh my goodness am i about to go the same way as my father sometimes that concern appears to us to be extremely irrational and very often certainly in a chest pain clinic context and it's the gp's concern that this may be cardiac that has led to the presentation chest wall syndrome is the commonest group of patients you see in the chest pain clinic it's also a very common presentation in the acute setting and they're not that well described in the literature but there certainly are cohorts that have been described and there are some really important features 50% of them have pre-existing psychological conditions anxiety disorder or depression a third of them have an underlying cardiovascular diagnosis be that hypertension TIA peripheral vascular disease so they are people who are at risk of having coronary artery disease and the other very common feature is that many of them have long-standing quite severe musculoskeletal problems chronic back pain osteoarthritis joint replacements many of them are already on long-term opiates or gabapentinoids the pain they describe is sometimes reproduced by pressing on the chest particularly at the costochondral joint if you press on the chest and it says that does hurt and then you should ask is that the same symptom that you've been getting and if they say yes then that is coming from the chest wall 
which is chest wall syndrome. Sometimes they won't do that in the, in the clinic because the pain is not there when you're seeing them. Another question I ask them is to think back to when they have the pain. They take a great big deep breath in, maximally expand their chest. Does that provoke the same symptom? And often they'll say, yes, it does. And that again locates the pain to the chest wall. A very interesting feature of chest wall syndrome is that it is always left-sided. The chest is a symmetrical structure. There's no reason why the left side of the chest should hurt any more than the right-hand side of the chest. The reason people present with left-sided pain is people think of their heart as a left-sided structure. Many people think that angina is sometimes felt in the left arm. They perceive it from their left-hand side of their chest, the symptom, then they'll attribute it very often to their heart and be concerned about it. How do you deal with these patients? Well, in clinic, I think the most important thing is to try and make the diagnosis there and then without sending people off for further investigations, which may or may not be normal, but tend to exacerbate people's anxiety. So what I do is I try and just give them an amateur explanation of how the brain works and how the brain filters out all this somatic sensation that is coming up through the spinal cord and most of that is not consciously recognized and I'll often have a chat with people in the clinic and I'll say to them your ball of your foot has been pressing on the floor throughout this consultation you've not really noticed it but if you think about it now you'll be aware of a pressure sensation in the ball of your foot and that's because you're now thinking about it but that sensation those pressure endings or that signal has been coming up to the brain the whole time but you've just not been noticing it the other phenomenon I point out to people, which is quite common, particularly as you get older, everything starts to hurt, we frequently get twinges of pain, and you'll sometimes find that you get a twinge of pain in your knee and you're rubbing your knee long before you realise why you're actually rubbing it. So your conscious brain doesn't actually particularly notice it. With that sort of explanation, people will often understand the symptom they're presenting with, and if they do, very often that's your diagnostic test because there's no diagnostic test for this, there's no investigation you can do to prove it. But actually the best way of confirming the diagnosis is when you give the patient this explanation and they understand why they've been getting what they've been getting and they no longer worried about it and the symptom ceases to be a problem. So it's really important to give people an explanation for their symptoms and if you do that that's so much better than just saying to somebody, your symptom is not angina. You feel happy, you feel like you've ruled out angina and you can sleep well at night because you don't think the patient's going to keel over and have an infarct in the next week. But you've not told the patient what they've got, so they're likely to be back to their GP. They're likely to be consulting other specialisms to try and find out what is wrong. But if you can give them a diagnosis of chest wall syndrome, that's very often the problem solved. So, I focus really on angina and chest wall syndrome and clearly other things can cause chest pain but if I can summarize what I've suggested you should do is focus when you're making a diagnosis focus on what I call the angina trica the typical chest pain the relationship with exercise and stress and the relief quickly by rest and GTN I've discussed some important modifiers the cold walking after food first fairway phenomenon and then I've ended up with an explanation for what is quantitatively by far the commonest cause of a presentation of the chest pain clinic, which is chest wall syndrome. Thank you.